Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Um, I First of all, for those of you in the Virginia southeast area of the country right now, I hope you're preparing. Looks like we got a pretty big storm coming through. My area is expected to get, depending on which source you look at, look to or listen to, somewhere between five and ten inches of snow between late tonight and Saturday morning. I've got to fly to Michigan on Saturday morning, so this is going to be interesting to see whether this thing passes uh, and is pretty much over by the time it's time for me to fly out. My plan is to go. As I've said before, I'm doing Granville, Michigan uh, to preach on Sunday morning twice and on Sunday afternoon. So winter travel can always be a little dicey, particularly when you're traveling from the Midwest to the Northeast uh, to Midwest. Yeah, well, Midwest really to 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 the Middle Atlantic states or Northeast. You just never know. Uh, But look, for all of you, stay safe, hunker down, uh, don't panic. I think this thing is going to be over by Saturday morning. We're not going to be stuck in our homes for several weeks without power or anything. We're not, this is not a grid attack. So, you know, we'll, let's keep it in its proper perspective. I'm told that, the, that many of the supermarkets are, are empty. I don't know whether that's true or not. But, but at any rate, my, my wife and I haven't gone out to get anything in preparation for the storm. Uh, we're relatively stocked up and we'll, we'll be fine uh, if we have to do without this, that or the other. Uh, for a day or so. I uh, can't get to the supermarket. So at any rate, just stay calm, folks. That's the most important thing. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. But stay safe also, okay? When those roads get bad, don't go out there. Uh, really, don't go out there. You don't, you don't need to be out there on those roads unless you've got some kind of emergency. No, no need in putting yourself and, and others at risk by trying to drive out there. And, and my understanding is the roads are not only going to be wet with some snow, but icy because the temperatures are going to be very low. So the roads are going to be slick out there, probably starting early Friday morning uh, into Saturday morning. So at any rate, I'm due to fly out late Saturday morning and uh, we, we shall see you all pray for me because my plan, of course, is to go. I'm not, I'm not canceling because of weather. I just don't do that unless it just proves to be unsafe or, of course, if the, if the airlines decide they're not going, <laughs> there's nothing I can do about that. But right now, my plan is to be at Res Life Church in Granville, Michigan on Sunday morning for services there. Um, okay. The second thing I want to mention is if you heard or saw President Biden's two-hour press conference You know why he went two hours? He's trying to prove to the world that he is up to the job. He's trying to prove to the world that he's not frail. Now, I don't know what kind of shots they gave him, (laughs) what they what they injected him with to allow him to stand up for that long. But it it you could tell it became kind of meandering. And, you know, what is this leaning over the and whispering? Ninety five percent are open. Come on, man brother. Uh, the, the thing, the, the biggest thing for me, in addition to his practically telling Putin it's okay to go ahead and march into Ukraine, I'm expecting it, we're not going to really do anything about it. To me, that's the message that he really communicated to Putin, that I, there's nothing we can do about it. It's not our business. Go ahead and do it. 
the problem is we do have certain outstanding commitments to the to the Ukrainian government and its people. And if, if we as Americans, if the American government proves to the world that its word cannot be relied upon in the crucible, that we will not stand on our agreements, that that undermines our national security because it undermines our ability to have confidence in our allies that they will stand with us when we need them. So uh, this, if you watch the whole thing and you were from another planet and you decided, okay, well, this must be, everything I'm hearing must be true, what you would hear is, wow, America's in wonderful shape. It's in wonderful shape. In fact, they've got a leader who's accomplished more than any other president ever has in the history of the country in the first year of his administration. It's an astounding record. And the country is just great. And if you believe that, I don't have just one bridge in Brooklyn. I've got multiple bridges. The Golden Gate, how about that one? I'll sell it to you cheap. But frankly, I've come to expect President Biden and the Democrats to lie through their teeth about everything. To me, it is the party now of demagoguery. Facts and information don't matter. The only thing that matters is their agenda. And let me prove that to you with one more comment. And then I'm going to plan. I'm planning to get to the word early. So let's let's time it. Let's see how I do. He was asked by a reporter. Given what you said about what the Republicans are doing, do you think that the 2022 elections can be relied upon to be legitimate or something along those lines? Uh, Can the outcome be relied upon? The answer he gave was, well, it was sort of an iffy answer. That depends on whether we're able to get our message across to people. What? No, it doesn't depend on that. It depends upon the legitimacy of the electoral process. What you know, translation, let me tell you what he actually said. The reporter asks, can we rely upon the legitimacy of the 2022 elections? And the answer was yes, if we win. That, that was really his answer. Yes, if we win. If we win, it's legitimate. If we don't win, if we end up losing large numbers of seats, losing a large number of seats, and we end up having the Republicans take over the House and the Senate, then no, no, it, it's not legitimate. Now, these are the people who tell us that it is unpatriotic to question the 2020 election, who are now tell, already questioning 2022. And these are the people who spent four years questioning 2016 elections who now lecture us about not questioning the 2022 uh, 2020 elections, uh, that you're unpatriotic and you're some kind of conspiracy theorist if you have any questions or you have any doubts. I mean, they spent four years on a fictional Russian collusion and they get up on their haunches and say, and anybody who believes in the, the, the... People are they, the lies and the conspiracy theories that the 2020 election was stolen. Well, they said that the 2016 election was stolen by Vladimir Putin. And they said that for four years. 
claimed that they had all the evidence that proved it. And after tens of millions of dollars spent investigating it, guess what? Lies, all lies. It simply wasn't true. And I think many of them knew it wasn't true, but they didn't care because their agenda is not the well-being of the country. If I were president and a reporter asked me, could I count on, that I think I could count on the legitimacy of the 2022 election, my answer would be something along these lines. Yes, but we've got to do better. We've got to make sure that we don't have illegal immigrants registered to vote. We've got to make sure that people have an ID to vote so that they can only vote once. We've got to make sure that there's no ballot harvesting so that people can run around and literally strong arm or manipulate people to collect large numbers of votes for their particular candidate when people don't really know what they're doing, they're being used. In other words, we've got to make sure that what we're experiencing is one man, one vote. I believe we can do that. And therefore, I believe that the 2022 elections will be perfectly legitimate and there will be no question about them whatsoever. The state legislators are doing a great job trying to introduce elements of integrity into the electoral process so that it is, quote, easy to vote, but hard to cheat. Easy to vote, but hard to cheat. I, I, every American, Republican, Democrat or independent wants our voting process to have integrity so that we can all, regardless of where we fit on the political spectrum, we can all rest assured that the outcome of the, of the election is legitimate, whether that outcome is one that we wanted or not. That's the kind of answer he should have given. And he, you know, and, and, and frankly, I would just add from my perspective, not pretending to be president now, but just add from my perspective, I would say the outcome of the elections, the, the legitimacy of the outcome of the election is not based upon whether any candidate or party wins or loses. And it is wrong, <clears throat> it is wrong to view it that way. The, the legitimacy of an election should be based upon the integrity with, with, that, which, with, that, with which that election is conducted and with which those votes are counted. That's the legitimacy of the election. Whether Democrats win or Republicans win is irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is the people who vote or the people who are supposed to vote, they're legitimate registered voters, the citizens of the United States of America, <clears throat> and the count is done with integrity so that there is a chain of custody record <clears throat> and those ballots and that count can be verified. That's it. Not, oh, well, uh, a Republican president won. And th that's not legitimate. Oh, well, a Democrat won. That's not legitimate. That's, that's wrong. Unfortunately, the Democrat Party's position is the only time of an election is legitimate is when they win. That's their attitude. It's legitimate if they win. If they didn't win, then it's not something's wrong. 
Well, that's not my attitude. I trust it's not yours either. I want our elections to, 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 I want the American people to have confidence in the outcome of our elections, no matter which way they go. Sure, I want my side to win, of course. But more importantly, I want America to win. And to me, America can't win if the American people lose confidence in the election process. That, that is, here again, to me, that is cataclysmically destabilizing to our country. Because if we can't rely on the legitimacy of our elections, what's left? Well, you know what's left, and it's not pretty. But unfortunately, we have a president who is clearly not up to the task and a vice president who is clearly not up to the task of taking over as president. So we're just up the creek without a paddle right now. If, if I were going to base the legitimacy of the elections based upon outcomes, yeah, then I would say willy nilly. The 2020 election was clearly not legitimate because we elected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That couldn't possibly be legitimate. I haven't gone so far as to say the 2020 elections were stolen <clears throat> or that they weren't legitimate. What I have said is there were enough irregularities and enough questionable activities that we ought to question the outcome and there ought to be a thorough investigation to determine whether those shenanigans, whether discovering ballots under a table, um, whether uh, ballot harvesting <clears throat> and changing the rules for COVID, whether all of these um, uh, remote ballots that people could drop ballots in that were unguarded and unprotected could have, could have created an opportunity or, or, or allowed for an abuse of the voting process and for ballots to be added that were not legitimate. All that stuff needs to be investigated. It's too late now. We can't undo the outcome of the 2020 election now. It's too late. Because the Justice Department, which would have to investigate these things and look into them, uh, is un under the control of the party that benefited from whatever, whatever shenanigans took place in 2020. We're going to have to wait for a new president and a new Congress to go back and give the American people a thorough report on exactly what happened. Look. We may find out that there was a lot of fraud and a lot of, of, of inappropriate things that happened, but that, that the outcome of the election would not have changed. Maybe the margins would have changed, but that the, we, I mean, we may find that out, right? Or we may find out that for the first time in American history, an election was actually stolen, and if it had been conducted properly, Joe Biden would have been, wouldn't have been president. We can withstand that. His presidency will be over by then. We can withstand that. Because to me, that will strengthen us to know, okay, we can never let that happen again. Folks, and I mean this with all my heart, I don't want an illegitimate Republican president serving us any more than I want an illegitimate Democrat president serving us. I care first and foremost about the country. And either one of those is bad for the country. So, but once again, Beijing Joe gets it wrong. Uh, but I will say this, he's consistent. He's batting a thousand. He gets pretty much everything wrong. So <clears throat> let's get to the word, shall we? Wow. You know what? I didn't actually, I didn't do badly. That was the only topic I really wanted to hit hard uh, because we're coming into 2022 elections. 
Um, and we're, I'm, my organization, Stand America Political Action Committee, is going to be playing a major role nationwide in that. Um, and, and obviously, we have a big stake, like every American does, but we have a big stake as a super PAC in what's going to happen and how things are going to be conducted. And yes, we do want integrity in our electoral process. And that does not mean engineering the outcome before the election, which is what Democrats, and they share in common, by the way, with communists, want. They want the outcome predetermined. That's why they bring all these illegal immigrants in here. That's why they want, that's why they want uh, uh, non-citizens voting in New York. They're trying to assure their electoral success. They're trying to predetermine the outcome by skewing the electoral process. They're the ones who are doing that. Republicans are simply trying to maintain integrity in the process so that nobody who's supposed, everybody who's supposed to vote votes or has a chance to vote, and nobody who's not supposed to be voting doesn't vote, and nobody gets to vote twice in a given election, and nobody gets to vote in more than one jurisdiction in a given election, and these kinds of things that just give all of us confidence that the election is legitimately conducted. Now that's not hard, folks. But I guess it is when power is your God, because when power is your God is what's become the truth for the Democrat Party. Anything goes. So don't the Republicans think the same way? I have no doubt that some do. But I'll tell you who doesn't. The Christians who are serving us in office don't think that way. I just got off the phone <clears throat> this morning had a conversation, I'd called Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears, uh, who was a friend of mine and who I supported. Um, and I got a call from her this morning, we were talking. And I'll tell you the thing that, that, that leaps out at me preeminently every time I've ever spoken to her is, this is a woman of God. This is a woman of God. This is somebody you're not going to tell her, oh, we can get you this if we cheat. Because she's going to say, I don't want it by cheating. I don't want anything by cheating. Because God is first in her life. And we've got a lot of Christians serving in office. I don't know when we're going to get these black Christians to come to grips with this. But we've got a lot of Christians serving in office in the Republican Party who, for whom God is first. Not my election, not my electoral success, not my power, not my ambition, but God first. Every Christian, folks, and we've got many. Bob Good is another one, and I, I, I could go down the list, but I won't. I just mentioned those two here in Virginia because they come immediately to mind. Every Christian, now please hear me well because I'm going to say something that you probably don't anticipate. So every Christian ought to have this as our single highest priority and ambition in life. Every Christian, I don't care what field you're in, business, politics, science, medicine, every Christian ought to have this as our single highest priority and ambition to please God, 
to please God. You know, God's not going to be pleased by cheating our way into an election. And I'm not having any part of anything like that. I'm not going to stand before God. Well, God, there were higher things at stake, and I thought cheating was the right thing to do. And No, no, no. I had to lie in order to get, but look, I had, but there were greater things that were, no, no, no. God cannot be glorified by inglorious means. If you're going to glorify God, you've got to do things that are God glorifying and lying, stealing, cheating is not God glorifying. Frankly, it's those kinds of people that I meet in the Republican Party that make me proud to be a Republican. Because they love God first. Winsome Sears is one of those people. Bob Good is one of those people. God first. God is first in their lives. And I'm grateful to know them and to be associated with them. Not because they're in a position of, of power or authority, but because they love the Lord. And I really believe that the Lord engineered putting them in their positions to serve us, not to lord it over us, but to serve us. These are, these are servants with servants' hearts. What the Democrat Party at this point is giving us is a bunch of little petty tyrants, totalitarians who think they know best for everybody, whether you like it or not. Okay, well, I just used up a, a little bit more time, but, but I really believe that was of the Holy Spirit and I needed, it needed to be said. Let's come back to Colossians chapter 3. Let's see, we wrapped up um, we wrapped oh, wow. We wrapped up at verse 7. Let's go to verse 8. Now remember verses 5 through 7. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. We covered that. Eighth verse. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Well, here we go, right? You, we are children of light. We as Christians are children of light. We represent Almighty God. Put off all these. Anger. Now, the Bible does say uh, in James, be angry and sin not. Okay? Be angry and sin not. So there is a godly anger, an anger over unrighteousness, an anger over sin, an anger over, over the things that, that, that offend Almighty God. But it is not a hateful anger. It is a righteous anger. It is an anger born of love for people, not born of hatred for people. But this hateful anger says, don't let that, don't let that be a part of your life. Put it off. Wrath, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to, that's, see, that's why you always hear me say, and the left will never give me credit for it. We don't hate the people who disagree with us. We love them. We hate their ideas. 
with a passion. And the Bible teaches us we're supposed to hate every false way. But we love them. In fact, our real desire is to free them from the falsehood that holds them in bondage. We don't want to destroy them. We don't want to kill them. We don't want to hurt them. We don't want to. I don't want people. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to make somebody destitute because they don't agree with me. I don't want to see them out of their job. See, the left doesn't have these compunctions. They'd love to see anybody who disagrees with them completely and totally destroyed. In fact, anytime a conservative dies, and particularly if they die of COVID and they were against uh, uh, mandates, vaccinations, masks, whatever, then the left just dances on their grave. Oh my God, they just, they enjoy it. They enjoy it. I mean, there were all kinds of comments after I'd made the confession. I'm still making it too, that I don't have it. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to give it to anybody else. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life. Well, my wife and I got it. And I, of course, didn't hide that. I announced that publicly, that we did have it. Oh, my goodness gracious. The lefties just enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was confessing God was going to protect him. Well, God did protect me. Praise God. We had mild cases of it and went on about our business. No lingering symptoms at all. And, and frankly, we've been exposed and, and come out clean. They've been exposed since Omicron and come out clean. So we believe that the power of Almighty God is protecting us and the natural immune system that he gave us is protecting us. So I've said now, I said now in one sense, I'm glad I got it because now I've got that immunity that is better than the vaccine. I was just reading some articles this morning. The consensus is that immunity is at least as good as the, vac as the vaccine and many articles say it, it, natural immunity is better. So praise God, I'm better off. And now I'm right back to confessing. I don't have it. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to give it to anybody else. Nobody's going to give it to me. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. So, but look, when I got it, oh my, they rejoiced. They rejoiced. I mean, they meaning, you know, leftists who make it a point to follow what I'm saying. And because they're, you know, I, I don't know what they think. I, I don't even know why I should matter to them, but apparently I do. And uh, they just, they just had a field day. See, if some person with whom I vehemently disagree gets sick, I, I don't rejoice. Yeah, that's what, you, that's what you get. I hope you die. Here again, you think God's going to look at me and be pleased with that? The Bible says that we're not supposed to take any joy in the death of the wicked because God doesn't and that we're not supposed to take any joy when the wicked are hurt or harmed. I'm paraphrasing, but, but we're not supposed to do that. Because what we know is God loves that person. God has a plan for that person. He wants to do wonderful things with that person's life. God wants to turn that person around the same way he turned us around. What did we say? What did we just read in the six, six, six and seventh verse? It says, the wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. In other words, we were in the same position in rebellion against God. Some of you came to God early on. I didn't. I was almost 25 years old when I finally turned my life over to Jesus, over to Jesus Christ. And before that time, I just basically was a sinner, just living my own life, doing my own thing. And thinking about God, or what God said, or what the word said, not even a part of my vocabulary or my thinking. I was a son of disobedience. God didn't hate me. He didn't 
say, well, look at that, forget that scoundrel. He, he's not even worth my time. In fact, I was pursued by the hounds of heaven. God wanted me. And so that's why we don't have hateful anger against these people, homosexuals, transgenders. But, but I do hate the heinous things that are being produced. I just read an article yesterday about, the, about this transgender um, who went into a girl's bathroom, raped a 10-year-old, and uh, Gascon out in L.A. County is trying to, 26 years old, trying to have him tried as a juvenile so he, don't, he won't do jail time because he doesn't think it's appropriate for somebody who raped a 10-year-old girl to have to do jail time. He wants him to be able to either serve in a juvenile facility or just be under house arrest. Now, I don't hate Gascon, and I don't hate the person who did it, but I tell you what, I certainly hate what was done, and I hate the policies that produced it. And, and when it comes to those policies, I will fight you tooth and nail. I can understand why they might point the finger and say, see, it's clear you hate me. That, Cause that's the way it may come across because I am not gonna be nice about it. You're killing our children. You're raping our babies. You're, you're destroying our culture. I'm not gonna stand by and act like that's somehow okay with me. Well, I don't wanna say anything too harsh because I, I wanna be nice. No. My love for you is expressed in my anger, righteous anger, because I'm trying to pull the people out of it who are doing this crazy stuff and, and wreaking havoc on the rest of us. But I don't hate them personally, but they hate us. And it's very personal. It says, but now yourselves, you yourselves put away all of these anger, wrath, malice, you know, just hateful. I, I wanna, I'd like to get him. Blasphemy, in other words, ill speaking against God. And that's what they do every time a godly person experiences anything or stands up for God. Yeah, your God didn't do this. Your God didn't. That's blasphemy. That's what that is. In other words, they're, they're, they're taking, upon, taking it upon themselves to criticize God as if they're in a position to do that. One day they're going to find out how wrong they are. And then look, filthy language out of your mouth. Now look, brothers and sisters, I was not always a Christian. And before I became a Christian, I said anything I was big and bad enough to say. Okay? God took cursing from me miraculously. I've told this story. I don't have time to tell it today. Uh, but God took cursing away from me miraculously. Uh, I would say to you, if you are a Christian who uses bad language, you need to seek God for deliverance from that because that's a habit and you will continue to do it until God removes it from you. Now, maybe you have the discipline and the will to catch yourself, but usually those things pour out of people when something emotional or something unusual happens and they, it, just, it just comes out because it's, it's, a, it's a mental habit. God's got to deliver you from it. But what this makes clear is God expects Christians to not use filthy language. That's not Bishop Jackson saying that. That's what the word says. You yourselves put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't say it. Don't say it. 
and I'm not trying to be holier than thou because here again, I, boy, before I got saved, I could cut it loose. Um, you know what? Let me tell you a quick story and then I'm going to end the program for today. I was walking in a neighborhood that we used to live in um, for exercise, of course. And I'd walk and, and pray and, and talk to God. So I'm, I'm coming up this road, up this street, and I could hear in the distance, about 25, 30 yards ahead of me, a bunch of guys. Well, they were at a construction site that I was passing by. And they were just using all the nastiest, filthiest language you can imagine. And I thought to myself, oh, brother. And I said, well, when I get up there, I'm going to tell these guys and say, you know, you guys ought not talk like that. And as I was walking, the Lord arrested me and said, don't do that. And I kind of caught myself. I mean, God didn't speak to me in my audible either audibly, but, but in my heart, it just arrested me, said, don't do that. So I knew that was the Lord arresting me and telling me, stop, don't. And so I walked by and I don't even think I acknowledged them. They weren't right on the sidewalk. They were a little bit far off. I walked, maybe I waved or something, but I just kept going because I knew what I had planned to do. I wasn't going to do. And so as I walked, this is what the Lord ministered to me. God said, don't criticize them for using bad language because that's not the problem. The problem is that they need me. Talk to them about me. And I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. So I walked up, you know, and then I have a certain point where I turn around and come back. So it took, probably took me 10 minutes or so. But when I came back, they were still there. And so when I came back, I walked right onto the site and spoke to, hey, fellas, how you doing? And uh, they spoke back, fine. And I introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm Bishop Jackson. I said, I pastor a church here in Chesapeake. I said, and I just wanted to come over and say hello to you guys and pray for you. You could have heard a pin drop. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? And then, then one or two said, well, Yes, please, please pray for us. Pray for us, you know. And the rest of them said, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I prayed for them and, uh, you know, it, it, it exchanged a couple of pleasantries with them and, uh, and then went on, on about my business. And the Lord's kind of ministered to me, said, now see, you did far more for them in praying for them and reminding them of me than you would have done by criticizing them for using bad language. See, the bad, using bad language is a symptom of a deeper problem. I say it this way. Every time filthy language comes out of your mouth, that filthy language goes into your heart. That's what Jesus said. And so using filthy language is like giving yourself a dirt shower or it's like picking up dirt off the ground and stuffing it in your mouth and eating it. Now, that's a physiological analogy for spiritual reality. But you get the point, and Christians ought not do it. But I'm just making the point to you that God really shows us that that's not really the issue. That's a symptom of the issue. The real issue is a, is a, is a heart that's cleansed of that and a heart that is set on God.
And so, my brothers and sisters, we, are been, we have been given the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. The righteousness that we have is not our own. It's, it's a gift from Almighty God. He sees us as the righteous. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Okay, that word become or be made is the Greek word genomai, and it's the same word that is used to, to speak of creation. In fact, it is related to the word genesis, genomai, genomai, genesis. They're the same root word. It means to create. We've been created. We've been made the righteousness of God in him. And our job is to walk that righteousness out. It is already an inner reality. Our job is to walk it out and make it the outer reality that is expressed that people can see. And we don't do that by our own strength. We do that by tapping into the grace of God and the strength that God has put in us and seeking God for the cleansing of our minds, our hearts, our tongues, so that we do and say those things that are pleasing in his sight. You know, Jesus said, the Father never leaves me because I always do those things that please him. And he also said, I only say those things I hear my father say and do those things I see my father do. That's the way we Christians are supposed to think. You don't hear God cursing, you shouldn't be doing it either. That's a pretty easy standard. I mean, that's a pretty straightforward standard anyway, right? You don't see God trying to do harm to people, you shouldn't be doing it either. God is not the killer. He's not the destroyer. He's the lover. And his hand's going to be forced into destruction by people who absolutely refuse him when the time comes that he said, okay, enough. You've had all the time you need, all the time I'm going to give you. This is it. It's over. And then we see the scripture fulfill. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. But see, he'll never be a man of war to me in my life because he is my savior. He is my Lord. He is my, my keeper. He is my, he is the blesser. But to the world that rejects him, to the world that decides it doesn't want God, the day is going to come when in order to create the world that God wants for all of us, he is going to have to remove all of those who don't want him and don't want that new world. Not his choice, theirs. His choice is to give us a world without sin. Their choice is to reject that opportunity, to reject that offering, and they're going to leave God with no choice but to condemn them to eternal damnation. But that's not what he wants. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to life. I love you. I'm praying for you. Stay safe in the storm. Those of you who are up and down the eastern seaboard, and for the rest of you, God bless you. Hope you're having a wonder. Hope you have, what's today? Today is Thursday. <clears throat> well, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. So I hope you have a wonderful day today. And remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.